Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast dedicated to the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. I am your host, Scott Chaloner, and today, as always, we will be projecting the voices of real and authentic business leaders from across the nation and telling their real-life stories of success and innovation. Joining me on today's programme is Vincent Page. Uh, Vincent, welcome and thank you for joining us on the show. Good morning, Scott. Thank you very much indeed. It's a pleasure to be back, despite the dramas of the last couple of years. Uh, looking forward to a constructive conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Vincent, of course, there has joined us on the show before, but just for first-time listeners that are tuning into the programme, he's the owner and managing director of Antique Dealers Antiques on High Limited, and that also incorporates Antiques on High Sidmouth Limited and Antiques on High Lake District Limited. And the last time that we spoke, uh, Vincent, you were talking about the fact that you had ambitions of opening um, a new Antiques on High store in the Lake District. And I'm pleased to say that with COVID, having been a barrier to that before now that's now happened hasn't it so very exciting times for the business yes scott very much so um uh, we had been chasing uh, a property up in this uh, direction for um nearly two years um and it fell through due to uh, a variety of issues uh, we found somewhere else incredibly quickly uh, in bonus on windermere and uh, we opened on the 1st of May this year. Um, and to be honest with you, there are not enough hours in the day at the moment. Um, it's been e- extremely encouraging. Uh, a lot of dealers from Oxford and Sidmouth have joined us, uh, as well as picking up local dealers from the general area. It's fantastic to hear. So it's gone down really well locally as well, but it's also been drawing in the same sorts of interest from sort of elsewhere around the UK as well. And that's encouraging, especially now that social restrictions have lifted in the UK due to COVID and uh, that's actually allowed to happen again. Yes, absolutely. Um, Both the other shops, Oxford and Sidmouth, opened, um, I believe it was April, when we were allowed to open, the first official day that we were allowed to open. Um, and we held off until the 1st of May to open in bonus on Windermere, uh, largely due to the fact that we had to completely refurb the shop. Um, and we bought ourselves a very large motorhome uh, with which to stay in while we were up here doing the job, because obviously at the time, no hotels were open. Um, and we, yeah, we opened on the 1st of May and it was, uh, it's been pretty solid ever since. Um, I can't really complain. Uh, the COVID situation, obviously the release of the lockdown made things a lot easier. Um, we're still very cautious. We still wear face masks and shields mm. in the shop when necessary, uh, when there are other customers about. Um, inevitably now, uh, as per the government guidelines, a lot of customers are told it's not it's not um, essential. It's an optional situation, um, which we leave people to to do. But it's interesting to note that an awful lot of people still come into all the shops with a mask on. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the lifting of restrictions, it did go down in very many different ways, didn't it? People were keen to sort of ditch the mask straight away and. Others, I think, have been that a little bit more cautious and uh, sort of keeping them on. Um, do you think that's sort of largely down to kind of the demographics of individuals that may be sort of coming into sort of businesses like yourselves, maybe? Yes, I think it, it, it can be. Um, I mean, it was very interesting to see that in Bonus on Windermere, when we first opened, obviously, new shop, 
And a lot of the people, in fact, sort of 99% of the people that are here and come into shops are not local. Mm-hmm. So they've traveled from other places. Uh, and most of them are at least an hour's drive away. So you're looking at Manchester, Blackpool, Preston. Um, and it was interesting to note that before the restrictions were lifted on face masks, we would insist on them being worn. Uh, and on countless occasions, we would ask people to leave the shop if they came in without them. Um, and since the restrictions have been lifted, <laughs> the same amount of people are coming in with them on. Um, I suppose you're right. It probably does depend on the demographic as to people's attitude, mm. uh, where they live, uh, obviously the rates of infection in their particular areas. But there again, they would drive for an hour, two hours, not realising the implications of the fact that the rates might be different where they're going. And moving on from that, I think the success of the bonus store in Windermere, I think that's probably testament, isn't it, to sort of the effort that you put in to really get that facet of your business going because you talked about the fact that a property deal fell through. You had to quickly find that new property for the store. You've also had to sort of rent out a motorhome to sort of keep yourself sort of in the area while you were getting everything built up. So to have had such a successful opening sort of couple of months, I suppose you feel that that's sort of vindication for the amount that you sort of put into it, isn't it? Yeah, it's very strange. I've always believed that you get out what you put in. Um, and it might be in the long term. Um, but I do feel as though, you know, it's it's a very solid, consistent um, customer base uh, in Bowness. And, uh, I mean, we've been, as I say, we've been looking to open somewhere in this area for a very long time. Um, knowing and having done all the research on the demographics and, you know, visitor numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we knew what to expect. Um, but to be fair, it's probably been a bit better than we expected. Uh, it's incredibly consistent. Um, out of all the shops, it's probably the most consistent. Uh, but um, it, it, it was a lot of hard work getting it organised um, because we had to refurbish the place, uh, technically whilst some of the country was still in lockdown. Um, and we were literally going from the motorhome, which we parked here with uh, authority from the local police, uh, to the shop every day uh, and getting on with it, getting it done. Uh, The sign, the outside sign, went up the day before we opened. So although we cut it a bit fine, we got it done in the end, and we did open on the 1st of May, and it was a very productive first day. And one feature of that new premises that has gone down really well is that sort of lower ground floor sales area, isn't it? People seem to have come in and really, really been making use of that and really enjoying that feature. Yes, very much so. Um, it's it's a very easy shop uh, in terms of uh, running it up here. Um, but we opened the ground floor uh, sales area on the 1st of May, as I said. And uh, we then concentrated, or I concentrated, on refurbing the downstairs area, which is probably about five, 600 square feet. Uh, and we opened that, um, I think it was probably middle of August, uh, put an awful lot of antique furniture down here. Um, and we put uh, some art and various other bits and pieces, trucks and so on. Um, but it's been very productive because you can now offer people the facility to go downstairs and look at other things, and we offer delivery. Um, and although it, it, most people find it rather amusing because we live in Bournemouth, so effectively 
if anybody lives not too far from the M6, we'll deliver it on the way home. And am I correct in saying as well that in the space of three months, you're in, you're on a par with the trade in the Oxford store, as you've spoken about, that's doing really, really well. And trade has actually far sort of surpassed the expectations that you sort of had going into it, especially considering all of the disruption and getting everything ready. Yes, very much so. Um, I think Oxford probably uh, during the pandemic has suffered with a lack of uh, foreign tourists for obvious reasons. Um, However, they are starting now, in the last couple of weeks, they're starting to come back. However, having said that, right throughout this year, since we opened in Donetsk, we've been on a par with Oxford, um, if not a little bit better on some weeks. Um, But I, I do think that Oxford has suffered due to the lack of foreign tourists. But obviously now with the recent lifting of restrictions on travel bans, et cetera, et cetera, um, we are slowly starting to see uh, more foreign uh, visitors turning up in Oxford. And takings in Oxford generally for the last two or three weeks have started to creep up to what we would almost expect them to be. That's really positive. So hopefully there'll be some positive trajectory when it sort of comes to that side of things with people coming back into the city. And that also goes for the student population um, as well. That's also something to, uh, to keep an eye on in uh, the city of Oxford. Um, and as we sort of venturing into sort of the colder months of the year now, and we are seeing sort of a wholesale vaccination programme underway in the UK to try and avoid any restrictions coming back. What is it that sort of from your point of view needs to happen sort of from a sort of government and local authority point of view um, just to keep business going? Do you think that keeping away from lockdown again is essential at this point? I think it, it, it's essential to maintain some sort of continuity, um, especially uh, in Bowness where, you know, we haven't been open long. Um, and I think, obviously, with established businesses, then, you know, their trade will come back because everybody knows them. Um, whether we can survive a winter without a lockdown, I don't know at the moment. Um, I did think it was uh, extremely likely that we would have a lockdown at some point, although I'm beginning to think that may not be the case, um, although... The rates are still fairly high. They also seem to be very stable. So I don't honestly know. I think it's key that continuity is maintained, um, whichever way you look at it. Um, I also think that the uh, the situation with the rates, um, with the government providing a subsidy for uh, rates, has been key to the survival of a lot of businesses. Um, Because without that, uh, discount. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot more businesses would have folded uh, due to the fact that they were expected to reopen, having been shut for X amount of months, and then just pay the full amount. Yeah, I think it would have been completely unreasonable for the government to require that from businesses. But I think business leaders are understandably cautious, especially those on the high street now, as to whether or not restrictions are going to come back, and then when full costs are going to return and. If lockdown does sort of show any signs of returning, I think there may almost be a bit of a temptation at the moment to kind of cash in on people coming back into shops and almost allowing more people to move around freely, sort of take away sort of even the voluntary restrictions of mask wearing, for instance. And so 
for many, it almost becomes a trade-off between increasing turnover within your business and decreasing sort of life expectancy of your customers and your staff, isn't it? So that's something as well, which is going to be really important to consider in the wider context of the industry going forward. Yes, it's a a very curious industry. Um, It's uh, generally always being considered or looked at as one person, one shop. You know, um, somebody in the antiques trade would open a shop. Uh, they would invite other dealers to join them, charging them a fee for renting out space, et cetera, et cetera, uh, or cabinets. And they maintain that shop, and that's it. Um, we seem to have bucked the trend by having three uh, all spread right across the country. Uh, and I think the, you know, the threat of a lockdown has affected some dealers in some areas. Um, We've had an influx of new dealers in Oxford uh, who have taken space in Oxford and been there for two or three months and thought, right, we'll take a cabinet in one of our one of our other shops, uh, which is always something we encourage because we provide subsidised rates for dealers who do that. Um, and it's worked very well, but I think the threat of a lockdown has kept some dealers holding on to their stock and some people just waiting and waiting to see what happens over the winter. I think once we get through to March next year, um, I think things will free up. People will be a lot more um, confident in their ability to uh, trade successfully without too many more dramas. Exactly. So we've seen something of a little bit of a recovery this year, but it's really going to be next year once we get through another winter with COVID, hopefully without too many hitches, that we're really going to see the industry kind of take off again, isn't it? Yes, it's been strange, actually, because um, prices of uh, stock, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, unlike most shops and most retail outlets who buy their stock from a supplier, uh, we can't just pick the phone up and say, oh, we've sold all those. Can we have another 10? You, you, can ne- you never get the same thing twice. Um, and a lot of things that we get hold of and we acquire are usually done through house clearances, uh, traveling all over the country, as we do, uh, and picking up things that you get. And it's very interesting to see that prices during the first lockdown went through the roof. Uh, I know there were several auction houses that were still running auctions through uh, or towards the end of the first lockdown. Uh, And the prices had gone through the roof. It was ridiculous. Nobody had expected it. Nobody had anticipated it. And it happened. And now prices have leveled out and come come back down to what you would expect them to be uh, if COVID hadn't occurred. Exactly. And when we look at next spring as well, um, the 1st of May sort of 2022 is going to be the one year anniversary of the new store in bonus, isn't it? And just on that, what is it that you're really sort of hoping for that facet of the business to have achieved within its first 12 months, given the few months that it's had already? Um, I wasn't really looking. I hadn't set any specific targets given the current situation. Um, I did with Oxford. And I did with Sidmouth when we opened Sidmouth in December 18. Um, But obviously, we hadn't had the unfortunate circumstances of suffering from a global pandemic. Um, We opened here. I didn't really set any targets. But from the way things are going and the way things have gone, 
Um, I think it's likely we're going to be not too far away from Oxford's figures um, in the first year come May next year, uh, which will be encouraging. Um, but I do, I do think that the next few months is, especially here, is going to be very much uh, a question of suck it and see, so to speak. Um, because A, we've never been here before. We don't know what, well, we've got a good idea what to expect, but you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bowness is traditionally known for somewhere that's not that seasonal due to the fact that so many people come to the Lake District for, you know, they don't come for the weather. They come for the scenery, the place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, and so far, that's proved to be the case. I know we're only into October and it is incredibly mild for the time of year, but we are still seeing an awful lot of visitors, uh, which is encouraging. It certainly is, and we'll be keeping a very close eye on that and wishing the business all the best of luck over the next 12 months. It sort of beds into life up in the Lake District. And I think as well, something that we should acknowledge, despite all of the disruption that Antics on High has faced over the course of the year, the last year and a bit, um, you've, there's been some success there because not just the business has been doing well in itself, you've also been named Antiques Retailer of the Year um, in the Prestige Awards from CorporateLiveWire.com, haven't you, Vincent? So... I can imagine that also is something to be very, very proud of. And you can look back at how you've composed yourselves during the pandemic with a great, great deal of pride for that. Yes, to be fair, those, those I mean, we, we've, to be fair, we've won several awards. Um, and uh, that one in particular uh, came out of the blue. Um, and it wasn't something that we'd expected. Um, and I think there's a lot more companies now keeping a close eye on what people are doing. And how they're how they're behaving, especially with you know electronic media being so powerful now in terms of advertising, um, and it makes a major major difference uh, to the way you structure and present your business. Uh, when we opened uh, in Bowness earlier on this year, I had the website completely redesigned uh, to incorporate all three shops, <clears throat> and we went down that route, route, which was proved to be a far more successful route in terms of the website because we've had a lot more comments from it we've now a lot more stuff is integrated into it uh facebook's into it integrated into it um and we have uh probably 30 to 40 emails a week coming through the website people inquiring about things uh we are quite happy to ship ship stuff all over the world because we do get a lot of foreign visitors in various places uh and it works very well uh, so, yes, uh, we were quite pleased with the award, um, and uh, long may it continue. And, of course, you raised another hugely important point there as well, the fact that given how business has had to adapt over the last year, the antiques industry is going to be one of those that is going to benefit by sort of branching out using technology and using e-commerce. It's just something that business has to do now in order to survive while sort of balancing it out with the bricks and mortar side of things. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I suppose 20 years ago, um, you maybe you'd have a website, but that would be it. You start a business now, uh, especially if you're starting from scratch, you need all your social media accounts, you need at least four. Uh, We've got three for each shop. Everyone is updated every single day, seven days a week. Um, But you have to keep on top of it. And if you don't, the people that regularly watch and regularly look start to feel as though things are going wrong. Um, so you have to set out your, your store, as it were, when you start and maintain it. 
to the level that you started at or increase it because it's easy to it, people expect you to go forward if you start going backwards in any way shape or form it looks as though you're starting to fail and uh, in my view uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail mm. and since we at the Leaders Council are so passionate about sort of inspiring that next generation of business leaders, just before we wrap things up, Vincent, um, based on having sort of built up your business and guided it through one of the greatest challenges of our time, if you could give one piece of advice to sort of a budding entrepreneur out there as they're looking to start their own business, what sort of piece of advice would you give them to get them on the road to success, do you feel? That's an interesting one. Um, I see an awful lot of businesses around now that start uh, and within a few months, or maybe this is a slight exaggeration, but within a very short period of time, the owners expect to be millionaires. And if they're not, they want to know why. And then 18 months after they started their business, it's failed. And you see the Porsche being transported off the drive and all the rest of it. And in my mind, because the internet and communication has made everything so instant, I think people's uh, psychology now is when they start a business, everything should be instant. It should happen overnight. And it doesn't. You have to work at it. And uh, that's something that people often overlook now. They think they can start a business, make their retail frontage look all nice and glossy and wonderful. Isn't it great? And eight months later, if they're not working two days a week and rolling around in money, they want to know why. Um, And I think that, you know, (laughs) the get-rich-quick schemes are few and far between. uh, And there's no substitute for good old-fashioned hard work and being prepared to put the hours in. I think that's absolutely right and very sound advice indeed. I think anybody looking to start a business needs to move away from that sort of glamorized view of what it's like being an entrepreneur and actually think about putting the hours in to build up the business to get it to where it wants to be before you can take the downtime. And even then, when you sort of take the reins off and you begin to sort of let go of the day-to-day operations, your remit then should be to focus on the more strategic side of the business to help it sort of go from strength to strength, shouldn't it? Absolutely, yes. I mean, you do get to a point where you have to concentrate more on admin and uh, being involved in the strategy side of everything if you want to continue to expand. Um, Excuse me. However, keeping your finger on the pulse, in my view, is crucial. Um, But I, I just feel as though nowadays too many people open businesses far too quickly because they've got some money, they've inherited some money, you know, relatives have left them some money and so on, and they open a business, and if all of a sudden it's not working for them in the way they expect within a few months, then there's this terrible discontent. Uh, And I think people should be far more focused on, you know, putting the hours in, putting the work in, studying the structure of what they're doing. And I think, to be fair, this pandemic may well have assisted Mm. in that, encouraging that attitude, because I think it's brought people down to earth. It's very strange how um, I, before the first lockdown, 
I saw numerous businesses. Bear in mind, we've, we, we, you know, we chase around the country an awful lot. I saw numerous businesses with their owners, shall we say, strutting around, you know, look at me, I'm worth this, I've done this, I've done that. And the minute the first lockdown was implemented, these were the people screaming and crying. They had no money to feed their kids. They had no money to put food on the table. And you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. You've been telling the rest of the world how successful you are. And it makes you start to wonder, A, how successful they've really been. Are they living on borrowed money all the time, as a lot of people do? And shouldn't they be focusing more on the reality of the situation and their business and being prepared to put the hours in, do what's required rather than, oh, I'm going at three o'clock. Because it, that, that attitude, I wouldn't say it doesn't work, but it's a short-term fix. They should certainly take a leaf out of your own book, shouldn't they, Vincent? Like, say, being out in a motorhome and doing everything possible to sort of get the business running, looking at properties, that's the level of effort that it requires, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, we we bought a motorhome. Um, it's 10 metres long, uh, and we came up to Bonus on Windermere uh, while the first lockdown was issued. There wasn't a car in any, well, any of the car parks. We parked it, and within two days, the police had arrived. They'd obviously... Uh, done a PNC check on the registration plate and realised that this is registered in Bournemouth. So what's it doing in the Lake District when you're not meant to be here? We explained the situation to them. They were perfectly fine. They put a note on the system so if anybody saw it, it was not a problem. We were literally driving in a, in a separate van from where we parked the motorhome to the shop, uh, and that was about a quarter of a mile. Uh, and we were inside the shop. The shop was locked. We were just working on the place the whole time. And nobody had an issue once they realised what we were doing. But most people thought we were completely mad. Why have you gone to such effort? Well, if you put the hours in, you'll get it back out again, in my view. Exactly right. There is no substitute for hard work and you're always going to have the bumps in the road. You can never avoid them. And it's about how you respond to those bumps in the road. That's the key thing, sort of accumulating success. And just for those listeners tuning in as well, we've mentioned the new Antiques on High website. It is absolutely fantastic. Certainly is worth checking out at antiquesonhigh.co.uk. And you can also follow the Antiques on High business on um, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram now, am I right in saying, Vincent? Uh, yes, each shop has Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which are generally speaking updated every single day, seven days a week. Uh, not always with stock photos. I often put humorous comments up as well with some very old vintage photos, um, but they are updated seven days a week um, because I feel that if, if that's the way you started, that's the way you need to. That's how you need to maintain it. Um, and. As I said to you before, I think the internet has made people very, very, um, they want everything instant. It's got to be now. It's got to be um, today. Uh, so when people see things on a daily basis, they know it's updated on a daily basis. And it seems to work. It certainly does. And like I say, Vincent, wish you all the best of luck over the uh, the next 12 months as well in sort of keep continuing to grow the profile of the business. And hopefully when by the time we reach that one year anniversary for the new bonus store, it's going to be um, a first year of real success. Um, thanks ever so much for joining us on the show again today. It's been such a pleasure having you as always. And uh, do continue to take care and stay safe with all still going on as well. Thanks very much indeed, Scott. Take care of yourself. Bye bye.
And if you are a listening leader in any walk of life and would like to come onto the show and have your voice heard on the national stage, then by all means, please do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. It was a pleasure welcoming Vincent Page onto today's programme and I do hope that all of you thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Until next time, I'll be heading back to my usual spot in the Westminster Arms and raising a glass to outstanding leadership and hopefully we'll continue to enjoy the pleasures of normal life as we continue into the colder months of the year. Um, Remember everybody, despite the fact that social restrictions are gone for the time being, do continue to look after yourselves and please be considerate of others because it does make such a difference in keeping people safe and saving lives during this time. Take care and goodbye.